You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. How's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Eubanks. Super pumped to have you tuning in with me today. We are going to go into part two of our This Means War podcast series of episodes. We went through uh, five strategies that we can use to fight in this war against our families last time and this time we're going to get through the the rest of them i hope six through ten or so but i'm really excited to to do this series it was on my heart for a long time as a way to just really build up and encourage the body of christ those families those christian families those fathers those mothers that are out there raising their children in this war and i think it's super important for us to believe that we are in a war. That's like step one, realizing that we are in a war. I want to, uh, real quick, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you to go visit kingdombringer.com. There you can find all of the podcast episodes, all of the blogs that we've written, that I've written to, again, build up and encourage the body of Christ. And There's a really cool way that you can support what we're doing here on the podcast. You can support Kingdom Bringer by buying some merch. You can buy a hat, a Kingdom Bringer hat. You can buy a Kingdom Over Everything shirt. We got some other merch on there as well, some other hats, shirts, or some coffee mugs. Grab something, show your support. It's a simple way. You get some swag and you get some support. That's awesome. Also, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your audio versions, please subscribe or follow on the platform you're listening on. Give us a rating and review. You know what? Give us a five-star rating just because you're so nice. Just because you're such nice people. Give me a five-star rating and shoot me an email. Let me know you did it at thekingdombringers at gmail.com. And I'll give you a shout out on the next episode. That would be super fun. And I'd appreciate it. It just helps us get get the podcast out there. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. That also helps us. Leave us a comment. As we're as we're going through the episode on YouTube, leave us comments. Leave us uh, statements. Let us know what you think. If you have questions, like always, you can reach out to me at thekingdombringers at gmail.com, and I'd love to get some interaction with you. That's it. You ready? You ready to go? I'm ready to go. 
Let's uh, let's rehash. This is the remember. This is I called it. This means war, but it's the ten strategies to fight as a family in this war that we're in. Again, this is uh, based off of Ephesians six. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, principalities, and powers in the unseen world. This is a spiritual war that has been waged on your family and on your children, mainly just because you're a follower of Jesus. The Antichrist spirit that is here now, it's here. Many of you are waiting for the Antichrist to rear his head. The Antichrist spirit has been and will be here until we're not. So it's running rampant right now. Let's go through the first five just as a refresh. Number one, the number one thing that we can do to fight in this war on our family and our children is to prioritize your family, prioritize your home, your family. We talked about the importance of your marriage, the importance of raising your children to understand that the husband and the wife is the most important relationship in the home. We have to live that out. We have to uh, be that for our children, but our, our kids need to see that. Like They need to see how, how much of a priority our marriages are, how much of a priority our homes are. Are we, are we choosing that over other things? It's important. And the, the enemy absolutely wants to destroy your family. And if you don't protect your family and your home, who will? Number two, we talked about prioritizing the house of God. Prioritizing the house of God. The church is meant to be a, a strong support system. And there's something powerful about prioritizing the house of God, prioritizing the church for your family. I believe that finding a healthy, steady, powerful church is the best thing that you can do for your family. Setting your roots as a family in, a, in a, an amazing, powerful, uh, solid church, house of God, is, is the, I believe, one of the most important things that you can do. Number three was prioritize the Word of God. Teaching your children to have a biblical worldview, I believe, is one of the most important responsibilities that a parent has. That, that biblical worldview, that, that, that uh, prioritizing the Word of God, that's how we vote in America. That's how we, we, it explains our purpose. It frames our belief system. And our kids need to know the Word of God because that's the platform that we want them to stand on, just like Jesus did in the wilderness. That's what they need to stand on when the world comes against them. When the enemy rears his head in their lives, they need to have the truth of the Word of God to stand on. They've got to, in your homes, you've got to prioritize the Word of God. Number four, we talked about prioritizing prayer. And there's four things. There's, there's five things. I don't know if I actually went into them that week, so I'll go through them right now. But there's, there's five things in regards to prayer that I want my children to know about prayer. I want them to pray with power. James 5.16, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I want them to pray from sonship. 
If God is our Father, we should know how to pray from a humble place of sonship, right? Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. The first thing, our Father, knowing that we are his children, knowing that he is our Father, praying from a place of sonship. Uh, number three, praying from uh, with a place of praying from a place of humility. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, pray from a place of humility, pray with authority. Jesus taught them to pray in his name. The disciples after Jesus left, in the name of Jesus, Jesus gave us his name to use as authority in prayer. And then the last one for prayer, pray with expectancy. John 14, 13 and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask in my name, I will do it. We can expect God to move on our behalf. We can expect that when we live righteous lives, when we live holy lives, when we're living as sons and daughters in the kingdom, that when we pray, he not only hears us, but he moves on our behalf. Prioritize prayer. And the last one we talked about last uh, last episode was prioritize giving. I believe that just like church, when I go to church, the first day of the week, I'm giving God the first day of my week, I believe in the power of the tithe, the principle, the biblical principle that God has given um, of, of, of reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping, giving and tithing. Uh, I believe that when we continue this principle of first, I believe the, in the importance of tithing. I believe it's a kingdom principle, and I believe that it works. Luke 6.38 talks about how our giving produces a harvest, a return. I believe in that. I want my children to believe in that, to be faithful, loyal, and extravagant givers, believing that God will give us everything that we need to live godly lives in return. I didn't make it up. God said it. The Word says it. And I believe it. And that is that. So number six, let's get into this. Number six in the, the 10 strategies, 10 ways that we can fight as a family in this war that we are in, the spiritual war that we're in. Number six, prioritize right relationships. Some relationships are seasonal and some are for a lifetime. We need to teach our children to look for and desire righteous relationships with people that will push them towards God's purpose and plan for their lives, with people that are willing to pray for them, with people that will stretch their faith and encourage them to stand and seek the kingdom of God. Most people don't have the same friends they had in high school when they're 40 years old, right? But in each stage of life, there were people that God aligned you with for your purpose. I can look back and I can see that there were relationships I had when I was in junior high, when I was in high school. They were the they were best friends, right? I am, they're not in my life. 
I'm not in relationship with them still. I got dry mouth tonight. But God has aligned me with people every step of the way in my life. Like every um, season that I was in, there were people there that I was aligned with to help me get to the next place. And you can you can look at that and think that you're just using people or whatever. That's I believe that's what God does, man. He 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 lines you up and he um, partners you with people for the next thing that he has for you. I think of the story of Joshua, and this is a beautiful this is a beautiful example of what I believe right relationships looks like, what righteous relationships looks like. Uh, in the in the book of Joshua, uh, chapter one, God has called Joshua to take over as leader of God's people, the Israelites. Remember, Moses led them out of Egyptian captivity under Pharaoh. Uh, many the, many theologians say it was upwards of two million people. Right, that's a lot of people that were that that Moses led out of Egypt and into the wilderness seeking what what God had for them next, that amount of people in that type of situation would require a great leader. Moses was that leader, but he was old, he was frail, he was dying, and God called a new leader, and that was Joshua. And I want to read this uh, first part of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From from, From the Negev wilderness in the south, to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And remember, this is God talking to Joshua. He's talking to Joshua, giving him commands, telling him what he has next. And in verse 6, God says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You're probably asking, why did you just read all those verses? I want you to hear something. I want you to see what what powerful alignment looks like, what encouragement from the people in your lives looks like. God just told Moses what he wanted him to do. Three times he says, be strong and courageous, right? He's encouraging Joshua. So then Joshua went to the people and explained what God had told them. 
He gave them the instructions about their journey, and he shared with them the amazing hope of the promised land that lie ahead. They answered Joshua. This was their response after Joshua shared with them what God had told him. They responded, we will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against you and your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will, will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. The people that Joshua was aligned with confirmed God's word for Joshua. It is important for us as believers to surround ourselves with people that will encourage us in our journey with the Lord. Not a bunch of yes men. I'm not talking about surrounding yourself with just yes men. Yes men will only agree with you and your ideas, especially if there's something in it for them. We need to have people around us that will confirm what God is saying to you. You need to have people in your corner, people in your lives that will confirm what God is telling you to do. That's the kind of people that God wants to use in your life to help you reach your full potential. And that's the kind of people we should be encouraging our children to seek out as well in their lives. If we want them to experience the fullness of what God has for them and to be encouraged on their journey and the journey that that God wants to lead them through, then we should be keeping our finger on the pulse of that situation in their lives. Be invested in their friendship choices. Be invested in their relationship pursuits. It's not just your right as a parent. I believe it's your responsibility as a parent. And I'll say this. If you're experiencing a lull in your life, if you're desiring something different than what you're currently experiencing, then maybe it's time to do a little bit of an inventory of your relationships. Sometimes the greatest change in our lives will come when we change the people we choose to have in our lives. It's like my pastor Devin Leichner always says. He says that relationships are the conduit by which change flows, meaning the experiences you have in life will flow through the people you have around you. It's like kingdom networking or kingdom connections, kingdom partnerships. God works through people. He always has, and he always will. Number six, prioritize right relationships. Number seven, teach your kids about sex. That's right. As Michael McIntyre says, that's right, I said it. Teach your kids about sex. One of the biggest battles we face today as a Christian family is the enemy's desire to sexualize our children. They are learning the world's version of sex at a younger and younger age. That version is filled with immorality, and it doesn't come from a biblical worldview, obviously. It produces confusion and is based on lust and sensuality rather than love and faithfulness. 
if we desire to raise up our children to be prepared for the battle, we need to get ahead of the game. While there's absolutely a place for shielding our kids from things and ideas that are strictly of the world, it's also very important for us to teach them the truth. The truth will build a barrier around our kids. It'll protect them. And the truth is, sex is not a dirty word. God created it, and he laid it out with purpose. And he gave us instructions for it. Our kids need to know and understand its purpose at a young age. They need to be able to know the truth about sex before the world gets a chance to paint its view in their minds. The truth about sex should be solidified in their hearts and minds so they'll be able to recognize the false version when they hear it and when they see it. I totally believe that as Christian parents, we should be proactive about sex and not reactive. Again, protect them while they're young, right? Protect them while they're too young to understand, but teach them when they're ready to know the truth. And that truth should be given when they are young. The world's agenda doesn't believe in too young, right? Younger and younger and younger, these kids are learning about sex, learning about worldly sex, learning about lust, learning about confusion, gender confusion, all of these things. The world's agenda doesn't believe in too young, so we need to be ready. Our kids need to be ready. That's number seven. Prioritize, not prioritize, teach your kids about sex. Number eight, teach your kids to love what is good and hate what is evil. Again, it has to be understood that we are always and always will be in a spiritual battle. Let's read that that verse in Ephesians again, Ephesians 6, 12 through 14, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's the, that's the battle that we're in. That's the fight that we're fighting. And our kids need to be able to discern how to love what is good and hate what is evil? Romans 12.9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. It's important to teach our kids discernment. And for us to practice it as a family. As parents, are there things that we do that we teach our kids not to do? As a family, do we promote and support things that don't line up with God's word? Are we mindful of what we allow in our homes and what spirit is behind it? If we truly believe that this is a spiritual battle, then we have to recognize it when the Holy Spirit is guiding us into and out of situations. And we have to recognize when the spirit of this age is at work, when the devil is working to bring stumbling blocks and pitfalls through the activities that we participate in and the entertainment we consume, 
we need to recognize, react, and remove those things. God loves the world. He, he loves the world and every person in it because he created it. He created all of it, and he gave it a purpose. But he also hates things. God hates things. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. What's a proud look? The spirit that makes the that makes somebody overestimate himself and underestimate others. A proud look. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Feet that are swift and running to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And the final one, the seventh one on this list of things that God hates. He who sows discord among his brethren. God hates gossip. God hates backbiting. He hates backstabbing. I've admittedly in my life, I've been involved in that. I've received it, but I've also done it. I've absolutely been critical of people. I've absolutely uh, gossiped about people. God hates that crap. God hates it when brothers and sisters are, when there's discord among the body and when it's stirred up by brothers and sisters against each other, God hates that. I've repented of that. And I want to encourage you to look for that in your life, to repent of it. But also, like we talked about before with right relationships, don't be around that stuff. God hates that activity. I want my kids to love God and all the good things that are produced from having a relationship with him. But I want them to absolutely hate the things that lead them away from God and promote idolatry and selfishness. This kind of wisdom isn't taught in schools. It's not taught on Nickelodeon or Disney. It's taught in the home, and it's taught from the Word of God. It's your responsibility as a parent to train your kids to love what is good and to hate what is evil. Let's go to number nine. Number nine in the 10 things that we can do as a family to fight in this war, in this battle that we're in. 10 strategies to fight as a family in this war. Number nine, raise up peacemakers. Raise up peacemakers. There's a difference between being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker. You see, peacekeepers often feel they have to work with what they have at their disposal. And they make it all work together or make it all get along. A peacemaker understands that not everything will work together. No matter how much we try, some things just don't promote peace. Some things have to be removed and some things have to be put into place in order for there to be peace. A true, a true peacemaker understands 
and discerns the missing ingredients that bring true peace. If it's in place to keep me or my family from finishing our race, I will not be at peace with it. Let me say that again. If there's something that's in place by the enemy, by maybe people in your life that don't want to see you or your family succeed, there are people like that. You know that, right? There's people that don't want to see you and your family reach the finish line. If it's in place to keep me or my family, me and my wife, my children, if it's in place to keep us from finishing our race, I will not be at peace with it. People with true authority make peace. A couple of examples, and this is an example that's used a lot, but I don't know if it's if it's used in this way all the time, but most of you know the story of when Jesus cleared the temple. I'm, I want to read a little bit about that. This is a perfect example of, of what a peacemaker does, what a peacemaker looks like. After the wedding, this is in, uh, again, John chapter 2, verse 12. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. This is, I always get this picture of like a casino, right? You just see like cha-ching, 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 people selling and wheeling and dealing in God's house, doing this stuff like in the temple. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. Again, picture this. Dude made a whip. He was so furious, but yet took the time to go get some rope, make a whip, fasten a whip, and he drove out the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor. He turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. In verse 17, then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. Jesus carried so much passion for the church, so much passion for God's house, that when there were things in place that didn't belong, that brought chaos and confusion and destruction and and lies, they had to go. He got rid of the things that were in place to keep people from focusing in God's house. Another couple of examples of of being peacemaker. And again, we can raise our kids to recognize the things that need to go and the things that need to be inserted into the situation. I'm going to raise my kids up to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers, not just look at what I have in front of me, look at what I have at my disposal, and try to make it all get along and work together. 
because that's not always possible. Some things have to go and some things have to be inserted. Another example of this would be healing the sick and casting out demons. We have authority in this battle over our bodies in Jesus' name. Sickness is a tool of the devil. And just like Jesus, we can believe that it doesn't belong in kingdom territory. That's where I'm at with my kids. If sickness enters our home, it's got to go because it doesn't belong. Now, look, I'm all for, I'm all for medicine. I'm all for healthcare workers and, and health professionals. But there comes a time when you have to realize that sickness is not from God. And in this spiritual battle that Ephesians 6 talks about, we need to decide that, that Satan, the king of chaos and disorder, will not have a say in the health of my family. Where there is an attack on peace in your body, you have to make peace possible. If something needs to go, send it packing. Is there a lie that needs to be exposed and removed? Then get it done. Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Remember, this is Paul talking to the church. And he's telling them to keep putting into practice everything that you learned from, from me, from Paul. Everything you heard Paul say and Paul do, if you do those things, the God of peace will be with you. There should never be a moment that our kids don't understand and, and aren't trained to keep going, to keep believing, to keep going after the things of the Lord, and keep going after, keep prioritizing the right things in their lives. They can believe that peace will come. Sometimes things have to go. Sometimes things have to be inserted. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. My children are going to be called sons, daughters of God, because they are going to be peacemakers. They're going to recognize and they're going to know when something needs to go and when something needs to be inserted in order for there to be peace. Making peace as, as children of God, as peacemakers, they shall be called children of God. Making peace is the family business. Making peace is doing my father's work. Raise up peacemakers. And number 10, the final one, 10 strategies to fight in this war as a family, 10 things we can do as a family to fight in this war together. Number 10, build up your faith. Build up your faith. Faith, it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. It is super easy to be 
distracted by things in this world and lose sight of faith. The actual, the definition of faith biblically is to believe in things that you can't even see. And so often we're so focused on what's right in front of us. We're so focused on what we can see in the natural and we lose sight of continuing to to raise up our kids to believe for the promises of God, to believe for those things that we haven't seen manifest yet in our lives. And that's your responsibility. You have control in your life over what comes in, over what comes in, over what comes in. And if it's something that's going to bring your faith down, how many of you have, have had people in your lives that just steal your faith? Right? Maybe you're maybe you've got faith for for a healing and you're believing God for that sickness to be healed and that disease to go. And you get somebody that comes around you and they just suck it right out. They suck the faith right out of the room. Make you question whether or not God really wants you to be healed. Makes you question whether or not. God really wants to bless you, makes you question whether or not God really is who he said he was, right? Those are the kind of people that need to be exited from your life. Those are the kind of people you need to encourage your children to not allow in their circle as well, because it's important in these these last days, and I believe we're in them. I believe we're in these last days. It's important for us to to have our faith sky high, to keep going in faith. With God, all things are possible. That can never, that can never leave our mind. That can never leave our lips. With God, all things are possible. Build up your faith. Listen to faith men. Listen to men of God who preach faith. Keep your faith built up. It's what's going to make it through. It's what's going to get you and your children and your family through this this war is believing that you're standing on the right side of faith. That you're standing with an army of faith-filled believers who, who don't necessarily see in the natural the end. They don't necessarily see in the natural the finish line, but you're continuing to run. And you're continuing to believe, right? The Bible says that with a a little bit of faith, a little mustard seed of faith, you will say to the mountain, move, and it will move. Don't be the kind of faith people that, don't be the kind of Bible readers that think that that means with a little bit of faith, you ask God to move the mountain for you. No, with a little bit of faith, you will say to the mountain, move, and it will move. Whatever's going on in your life, God has an answer for it. By faith, believe, and you shall receive. Keep your faith sky high. Watch things that are going to build your faith. Listen to things that are going to build your faith and surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you to keep your faith up. I actually had a really a really dear friend reach out to me the other day and said that if we if we die and on our tombstone, it just said, I think it was faith bringers or faith builders. Then it, it'd be a pretty satisfying life. 
if the people around you considered you to be a faith builder, considered you to be someone who who builds up faith in the room and builds up faith in the house, it's a good person to have around. Be that kind of person, but also seek those kind of people out. Encourage your children to do the same. Let's go through them one last time. I'm going to go through all 10. This is, again, this is 10 things that you can do to fight this war because this means war. War has been declared on your family. And this is how we're going to fight. Number one, prioritize your family. Number two, prioritize the house of God. Number three, prioritize the word of God. Number four, prioritize prayer. Number five, prioritize giving. Number six, prioritize right relationships. Number seven, teach your kids about sex. Number eight, teach your kids to love what is good and to hate what is evil. Number nine, raise up peacemakers. Remember, there's a difference between being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker. Raise them up to be peacemakers, ones who make peace possible. And number 10, build up your faith. Build up that faith. Keep it sky high. And I'm telling you right now that your family will not just survive this war. They will be more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. I hope you were blessed. I hope you could take some of these things. Maybe you do many of these things or most of these things, or maybe they haven't been something that's been important to you as, as, as fathers and mothers in your home. Let's do it. Let's link arms together. We can do this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person who's listening to this right now. I pray, Father, that you encourage them, that you strengthen them, that you help them recognize, Father, this war that they're in. I pray for anybody who's, who's in this war right now, they're, they're really facing it, they're really feeling it. Father, I pray for hope and I pray for peace to come in their lives. We thank you, Father, for your protection. We thank you that you've got angels warring on our behalf right now. And I thank you, Father, that you've given us everything we need. Everything we need to raise up these kids and to raise up this family the way that we're called to do it, you've given us that. There's answers for every 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 problem that we're facing. There's an answer for it and there's a solution for it. I thank you for the uh, the kingdom people that you've put in our lives. And I pray that if we're if we're in a place right now where we don't feel like we have people around us, Father, bring them to us. Open up doors, Father, for us to experience relationships the way that you want us to. For us, for our children, for our grandchildren, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but the word of God is our weapon. And we thank you, Father, that we, we can know it, we can learn it, we can get better at it, and it can be a powerful, powerful weapon in this time right now and we thank you for that i pray for blessing i pray for blessing over each person each family in jesus name amen thank you very much for listening hope you guys are blessed don't forget check out kingdombringer.com for more encouragement also rate review subscribe and share this 
podcast anywhere you're listening. Subscribe on YouTube. I love you guys. I truly, truly do have love in my heart for you. Never think you're alone. Reach out to me, thekingdombringers at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. Thanks again. Be blessed.